Good evening and welcome to our Sunday evening worship service. We're grateful for your presence. As always, if you're visiting, we want you to know that we do count you as an honored guest. We would like to invite you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. We've had a good day together. We have been blessed in many, many ways. We're glad to have the Ray family join hands with us, and we look forward to a long and very happy relationship with them. And we're grateful for their influence and their desire to work with the church here. Tonight we're going to be looking at the book of Ecclesiastes. I would invite you to turn to Ecclesiastes, the 12th chapter. And we're going to be thinking for the next few moments on the theme, Remember. And there are some things that all of us would do well to remember in this life. And so we want to consider this particular theme tonight. Ecclesiastes is one of the great books in the Old Testament. It was penned by Solomon, the son of David. He is called in chapter 1, the preacher. Solomon, as you know, was an individual that experienced a panorama of blessings in this life. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, basically what Solomon does is enter what we might call the laboratory of life. And in that laboratory, he begins to analyze all of the different facets of life itself. And then when he gets to chapter 12, we see him taking his analysis and then drawing conclusions. And so it's in chapter 12 that we have what we might style his conclusions, his summation thoughts. And so look at chapter 12 as we think for just a few moments about the theme, remember. The first thing that we might note together would be this question, remember who? Look at verse 1. Solomon said, remember now your creator in the days of your youth. Who then are we called upon to remember? Well, according to Solomon, we are to remember our creator. I think it's always good for us to reflect from time to time on the fact that God is our creator. And since he is our creator, it would only stand to reason that Solomon would ask us to be mindful of the very one who brought us into existence. The Hebrew writer tells us in Hebrews chapter 12 at verse 9 that God is the father of spirits. God is the one that has blessed us with physical life. The psalmist said in Psalm 139 that we have been fearfully and wonderfully made. And so God is the one who has created us. Solomon tells us in verse 7 that at death our body will return to the dust of the earth. And he said our spirit will return to God who gave it. And so we're called upon by Solomon to remember our almighty creator. There are a lot of people in our world today that have the idea that we are the products of evolution. That we have not been framed by an eternal God. And yet the Bible tells us that God said, 
Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. In Genesis 1, verse 26. In verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he them. Male and female created he them. God has made mankind. The psalmist said, he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. And so Solomon calls upon us to remember God, our creator, that we have been brought into this world by an omnipotent God, that is, by an all-powerful hand, that being God. But then also I would suggest that not only should we remember God because he is our creator, but we need to remember him because he is the one who controls all things. God is at the helm tonight. Aren't you thankful that we live in a world that is governed by an almighty God, an almighty creator? The Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 1 at verse 3 that he upholds all things by the word of his power. Look at the symmetry and the harmony with which our universe operates. Aren't you thankful that God is involved in the operation of our universe? And not just in the affairs of the universe, but he's also involved in the affairs of mankind. This morning we cited Daniel 4, verse 32, where Daniel said, The Most High rules in the kingdoms of men. The Bible says in Psalm 99, 1, The Lord reigneth. God is sovereign. He is in complete and absolute control. Sometimes we look around in the world today and we see all of the problems and the mayhem that exist and we may question, where is God? Well, God is where he's always been. He is in control. Now, we are the products of a loving God who has endowed us with the freedom of choice in life and sometimes the choices that we make in this life lead to terrible consequences, not only for us, but other members of the human family. But God is in control. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, speaking of God, that he is above all and over all. Yes, God is in control. Not only is God our creator, not only is he the one that we remember as our creator, as one who is in control, but also we need to remember him because the Bible says he cares for us. How do we know that God cares about us? Is it not the case that the Bible is a book that has been penned to members of the human family? It is an invitation, if you please, to us to get to know our Creator, the one who is in control of all things. God is interested in us as people. His interest in us is to the extent that the Bible tells us that he gave his only begotten son for us. When Paul wrote to the church or to the saints in Rome, he said, God commendeth his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God cares about our spiritual well-being. 
If God was unconcerned about the spiritual well-being of his family, of his creation, he would never have spared his only son. And yet, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, that God spared not his own son, but freely gave him up for us all. Yes, God is a being who cares about our spiritual lives. Not only does he care about our spiritual lives, but he's concerned about our physical and mental well-being. In 1 Peter chapter 5 at verse 7, the apostle Peter said, Casting all your care on him, for he cares for you. Now you may feel as if some, some of your peers, some of your family members do not care about you, but you could never say God does not care about you. No, the invitation is to cast our cares on him. And the reason given, because he cares for us. God is a being of love and kindness and compassion. He is a being of grace. He invites us before his throne to cast our cares on him so that we might, as the Hebrew writer said, receive grace to help in time of need, according to Hebrews 4 at verse 16. And then also this God that we are called upon to remember is a God who comforts members of the human family. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Paul speaks of God, who is the God of all comfort, the Father of all mercies. God is a being who stands ready to comfort the hearts of his creation. I like the words of the psalmist when he said, God is a refuge in strength, a very present help in trouble. There are going to be times in life when we are literally down on our luck. We feel despondent, we're discouraged, and yet God will be there for us. And the reason is God is a God of comfort. I do not know how many funerals I've conducted, more than I would like. It is an honor to conduct funeral services on behalf of people that we've known and loved. But it is also a reminder of the brevity of human life. But one of the things that I'm reminded of when I conduct funeral services is that God will be there for those who have lost loved ones. That God is a being who really does care about his creation. I think it's noteworthy in John chapter 11 when Lazarus died that John tells us in his narration of that story in chapter 11 that Jesus wept. Jesus was moved to tears in the midst of sorrow and mourning. So the Lord does care about us. He's willing to comfort us. And then also we remind ourselves that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the promise is that God will be with us according to Psalm 23. So remember who? We are to remember God, remember our creator. But secondly, remember when. In other words, when are we to remember our creator? Look again at verse 1. The Bible says, remember now your creator in the days of your youth. Does it seem odd to you that Solomon would say 
remember now your creator? Why remember the Lord in the days of your youth? I think a couple of reasons why we need to remember the Lord in the days of our youth. The first reason would be because at a very early age, our behavior leads to the various patterns of our life. The way you conduct yourself as a young person will ultimately follow you into adulthood. And so my suggestion to young people would be, do not formulate habits that you do not want to have, particularly bad habits that you do not want to have as you grow older in life. When Paul wrote to Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, he said, keep yourself pure. There's a lot to be said for as, there's a lot to be said for young people keeping themselves pure, remembering their creator, living in accordance with his will, because after all, when you begin to lay those habits as a youth in terms of reading and studying the Word of God, worshiping God, working in the kingdom of God, those habits will follow you into adulthood. I remember a friend of mine telling me on one occasion he never had a problem with something he never tried. I think that's a wise statement. If you do not want to have a bad habit as you grow older in this life, just never start it. But Solomon said, remember now your creator in the days of your youth. One reason to remember him now is because of our behavior. Another reason is because of the brevity of life. When we're young, we have the idea that we're going to live forever. Sometimes we feel like Superman. We are untouchable. We're above all. Well, as you grow older, you realize that that's not quite the case. The scriptures talk about the brevity of life. Solomon said, remember now your creator in the days of your youth. Life, at least it seems to me, is passing even more quickly today for me than when I was young or younger. The psalmist said in the long ago that the days of our youth or rather the days of our years, be threescore and ten. And he said, if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, in other words, we may live to be 70 or 80 years, but he said, it is soon cut off and we fly away. Life is extremely brief. You may live to be 70 or 80 years of age, but let me tell you, you're not going to get out of this, you're not going to get out of this sphere of existence alive. Death is coming to us all. I do not say that to be a pessimist. I say that to simply say, realistically, real world, we're not getting out of this world alive. James asked the question, what is your life? It is even as a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. So you mean to tell me that God may bless me with 70 to 80 years of existence upon this earth? That's right. But ultimately, your life on this earth will be cut down. 
That's why the psalmist said, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. You're not going to be here forever, so you need to think about that. You need to understand that this body that God has blessed us with, that it will wear out, it will wear down, it is subjected to the aging process, and at some point in time you will lay aside this temporal tabernacle known as human flesh. As Solomon said again in verse 7, the dust, the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Remember the Lord in your youth. We ask the question, remember when? Remember him now. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, at verse 2, there seems to be an urgency in the mind of Paul. Because in writing to the church at Corinth, he said, today is the day of salvation. I wonder why he would say that. Because none of us are promised a tomorrow. And so that's why it's very important for us to remember the Lord now. A lot of people think about getting their life in order at some future point and time, and yet we're not promised a tomorrow. So remember the Lord now. Thirdly, remember what? What are we to remember? Look at verse 13. In verse 13, Solomon begins to draw his analysis to a conclusion. What then are we to remember? We are to remember to fear God and keep his commandments. Now I said a moment ago that you and I, we are the products of God. He created us. Our lifespan here is extremely brief. And so, with that in mind, we have to understand that there are choices that are going to be made in this life. Choices that will ultimately impact our eternal destiny. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, Solomon pictures life. And really, if you pick up in verse 3, he talks about this aging process. And in light of this aging process, he says you need to fear God. You need to reverence him. Look at verse 3. Solomon said, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble, when the strong men bow down. I think about during the aging process, the body begins to become more frail and feeble. Sometimes we begin to bow over. And then he said, when the grinders cease because they're few, we begin to lose our teeth. And those that look through the windows grow dim, our eyesight begins to fail us. When the doors are shut in the streets and the sound of grinding is low, our hearing becomes less favorable. When one rises up at the sound of a bird, sometimes individuals as they grow older in life say, well, we have difficulty sleeping. And so they pace the floor at night. And all the daughters of music are brought low. Also, when they are afraid of height, as we grow older in life, sometimes we become feeble and we, in our frailty, are fearful of heights. And of terrors in the way, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper is a burden, our strength begins to diminish. 
and desire fails, and man goes to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets, remember your creator before the silver cord is loosed or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the well. What is Solomon saying here? He's saying that this body that God has given us, it will wear out, it will break down. And so in light of all of that, listen to what he says in verse 13. Hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. The word duty is not in the original. And actually what Solomon is saying is, the whole sphere of our existence is to fear God, that is to reverence his commands, to make him preeminent in our lives. To understand that his way needs to take precedence as we live here upon this earth. What about reverencing God? You know, there are a lot of people today that will speak profanely about God. They fail to understand that God is the one that has given them life. They fail to appreciate the words of Paul when he said that it is in him that we live and move and have our very being. God is the dispenser of every good and perfect gift. And out of all that he has done for us, there should be gratitude to strive to the best of our ability to live in harmony with his will and to do his commandments. You remember the words of Jesus, if you love me, keep my commandments? Jesus said that if we truly love him, we'll do what he says. I said just a moment ago that God cares about us cares about us as members of the human family. If God did not care about us, he would never have given us a book whereby we can regulate our behavior on this earth. You see, this book will elevate your life. It will make you what you need to be in the eyes of God. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And then in Revelation 22, verse 14, John the apostle said, Blessed are they that keep his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and enter through the gates into the city. Did you know that by living in accordance with the will of God, you have the hope of heaven? that you have the hope of that beautiful home that we read about in the scriptures where there will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, nor tears because John said these former things are passed away. So remember who? Remember God. Remember when? Now. Remember what? Fear God. Remember why? Fourthly. Why do we need to remember all these things? Look at verse 14. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether it is good or whether it is evil. What's Solomon saying here? He's telling us that we're going to be held accountable for the way we live on this earth. Now, I know that there are a lot of people in our world today, they have the idea that we're not accountable for what we do. It seems like that there are individuals, for example, in the political arena, 
but do not want to be held accountable for their misdeeds. Well, the Bible says we're going to be held accountable because, you see, God is going to bring every work into judgment. Solomon said not only is he going to bring every work into judgment, but also every secret thing. I know that there are people in the world today that have done things that they know are wrong. There are people in our country today that have committed heinous crimes. They've never been caught. They may think that they have gotten away. In other words, that they're not going to give an account of this, that they've escaped justice. That's not what Solomon said. No, Solomon said that God is going to bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul said, in the long ago, that our works will follow us to the judgment. He said, some men's sins are open beforehand, and some they follow afterward. The deeds of some are open and manifest to all. In other words, we all know about it. We know what they've done. We've seen it. We've heard it. But there are some things that we may have done in this life nobody knows about. Nobody has seen or heard what we've said or done. But Paul said, even though that may be the case, it will follow us into the judgment. When Paul wrote to the saints at Rome, he said, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall give an account of himself to God. So then we must all be made manifest before the judgment seat of Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 at verse 10, the apostle Paul, in writing to the church at Corinth, said that we're going to give an account of ourselves to God. The deeds that we have done in this body, he said, we're going to give an account for, whether good or bad. And so Solomon is saying, you need to remember God. And the reason you need to remember him is because ultimately you're going to stand before him in judgment. The beauty of all of this is that if you live in accordance with his will, if your life is in harmony with the will of God, then on that great and final day, the Lord will say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. I wonder if people today realize that there is coming a day in which we're going to stand before the Lord and we're going to give an account of what we've done in this life. What's the standard going to be? It's not going to be my opinion. It's not going to be based on think so's and maybe so's or hope so's. But rather the basis for our judgment will be this book that we call the Bible. We call it the Holy Bible because it tells us how to live a holy life. There are a lot of people in our world today that do not know what the Bible says. It seems to me that if we're going to be judged by this book, that we would want to know what this book says to us. That we would want to make sure that our lives are regulated by 
the scriptures. Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my word hath one that judgeth him. The words that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. The last day is the day of judgment. Now, if you were to sit down and analyze your life, if you were to do as Solomon did and begin to place life under a microscope and more specifically, if you were to place your life under a divine microscope, what kind of conclusions would you come to? When you began concluding all of the things that you have scrutinized, would you come to the conclusion that you're living in harmony with the Lord, that you're living a righteous life, or would the conclusion be, my life is not in harmony with God. I am not living as he would have me to live. You have to make that decision. I cannot make it for you. I can tell you what the Lord said. If you're not a Christian, here's what the Lord said. And this is applicable to the young, middle-aged, or to the old. Jesus said, except you believe that I'm he, you'll die in your sins. Jesus said, if you die in your sins, where I am, there you cannot come. So we have to have faith in the Lord. That's what the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews 11. And then secondly, we must be willing to repent. Peter said on Pentecost Day, repent and be baptized. That's the third important step. We must believe in the Lord. We must repent of our sins. We must be buried with him in that watery grave of baptism. When we do that, the Lord then adds us to the church. We are numbered among the redeemed. Our names are then entered in the Lamb's book of life. Is your name in that book, in that heavenly register? If you've obeyed the gospel and you're living faithfully for him, your name is there. If you're unfaithful to the cause of Christ, then our plea to you would be, come home. Why would you want to live outside the sphere of spiritual safety? Why would you want to live a life in which there is no security? The Bible says, be faithful until death. The promise is the crown of life, the Stephanos, the victor's crown. One day you and I are going to stand before the Lord and on that great and final day will he say enter or depart? Only you can answer that question. So tonight we think on the theme remember. What about you? Have you obeyed the gospel? Are you living faithfully for his cause? If not, could we pray with you and for you? The promise is God will abundantly pardon. Would you come as we stand and sing?